it come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The podcast. From outer space. Why is she calling you at 2 a.m.? I just missed it. Is she coming home from the bars? I just missed it. 2 a.m.? It's like uh, 8 a.m. there. 8 a.m. Oh, I forgot. She's in Europe. Well, honestly, the research for this one scared the bejeebies out of me, guys. I heard you can't smoke anymore. Not only that, I can't sleep anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I lost a lot of sleep about this AI stuff because it's real. And I've been telling my coworkers about it all week. The people I work with on these conference calls. And they... The robots. They think you're crazy. The The robots robots are coming. No, but that is real. We're live. We are. Well, welcome back to the podcast from outer space. Shout out to all our listeners out there. Worldwide, apparently. Coming in for episode four. Coming in hot, boys. It's Adam Narlock. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Ryan Scott. Howdy. And once again, it's your boy, Rob Scott. Coming in fresh off that flight from Europe. Very fresh. Like Paris. Very fresh. This guy was just over in Europe. Just want to apologize to all of our loyal legion of listeners out there. Um, Sorry for the wait. Little scheduling conflict. Sorry for the wait. Back in the lab. All right, y'all. Tonight we're talking a little bit about AI or artificial intelligence. We're going to get into, you know, how it relates to sci-fi. It's pretty much a constant theme throughout many iconic sci-fi films, as you may know, and classic AI movies, and how uh, they portray the good and the evil of artificial intelligence. Top three AI movies. What do we got? Who's going first? Adam? Top three. Do you want it in order, or can I just list off three? Boom. No particular order. No particular order? Um, I went a little old school, two out of three. I said War Games with uh, Matthew Broderick, classic. No, nobody? Very classic. Very classic. Weird Science, I feel like that's... Ooh. Yeah. The, we were talking earlier, Is uh, it is AI, right? They create her out of a doll. That's AI. That's immediately, when you introduce a topic to me, that's immediately where my mind went. And, and so her mind is essentially a government supercomputer. Remember them hacking into the government? Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> I'm asking. I think right? you're going a little too deep on that one. They hack into the government grid, correct? To create a woman. That's, I mean, I guess. Or that's were they AI. just using the power? No, I think you're right. They hack in. Mind blow. All right, what do we got? Third film, Tron Legacy. Not, not the old school, nothing against it. I'm just a bigger fan of the newer one. Big old Jeff Bridges fan. Is he in both? I think so. I believe so. I believe so. What do we got? Rob? I will go with Westworld, the TV series, not the movie. Uh, iRobot, maybe you're familiar. Will Smith. Will Smith, class. Getting jiggy with it. Nah, 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 nah. And uh, The Matrix. Ooh, that's the first rated R film I ever saw. That's a good one. I think that's the same. Ooh, maybe... Was Titanic rated R? That's not AI. I'm just talking about <laughs> R-rated movies, you son of a bitch. I was really trying hard to think of how that could be AI. I actually was, too. I was thinking the boat. 
is the uh, yeah the boats. <laughs> <laughs> in case you guys didn't know, it is. It was. Uh, remember they used the robots to go down, get the uh, necklace. That's AI right there. Yeah. Boom. Is that why you went to France? Were you painting me like one of your French girls? <laughs> yeah. Ryan, what, what did you come up with? Top three. If I'm going three, I gotta go Terminator, two thousand one. Mr. Kubrick's 2001. Mm. And now this was a toss up. I'm thinking either Iron Giant or Bicentennial Man. Although, would you guys consider Iron Giant AI? He's a robot. <laughs> he is a robot. He is a robot from a different planet. From a different planet. And he can interact with the boy. He's got feelings, right? The boy turns him good. He's that's supposed that's to be a weapon. I, I mean, he follows the rules of robotics. It's something else we'll have to like get into. I don't know, man. I feel like most AI is created by humans, though. So he's an alien AI. It's what, just maybe it, his planet is just full of robots. Intelligence, man. It's maybe just he's gotta just a be. normal guy there. <laughs> I know you look like a normal Joe. Where you come from? <laughs> uh, so I think it's like never fails. Yeah, but somebody would have had to build those and ship them there. You don't think there's more intelligent life out in the universe? No, more I, intelligent I than do, human. I, Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, but if it's a giant robot, ever that seen the can't pyramids? just come out of nothing. That's what I'm saying. Ever seen the pyramids? Someone had to make him. Not AI. Someone Built had to make him and ship. Bicentennial man, just refresh. That's Robin Williams, right? Yeah. R.I.P. Pour some out for the man. Yeah. Okay. And it's very long. I remember. Uh, it took me a while to get through it as a young time. A little sad, from what I mean. Uh, I haven't Extremely seen it in a long sad. time, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so some other classics. We got Transcendence, Ex Machina, if you've seen it. This is evil AI. Avengers, Ultron, he's mm. evil. Um, Blade Runner, the Nexus Sixes. I, although, I guess they're technically not evil. They just want to, like, chillax, you know? Chillax. Can we throw Transformers into the mix? Yeah, definitely. GoBots? Okay, and then also... I didn't even Some think good about AI. We got Bicentennial Man, AI, artificial intelligence with uh, Homeboy from The Sixth Sense. Anyone? Haley Joel Osment, is that yes. it? Yep, yep, yep. And uh, Interstellar, you know, the like block robots jumping around. And another, another classic, Her, great film. I think I keep mixing that one up with the uh, whole Spike is that Jones. is that Scarlet? Yeah, okay, yeah, yep, yep, she's yep. the voice of the bot that uh, Joaquin That's falls it. in love with. That's it. So yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna do a deep dive into AI. Talk about how it relates to the movies and some, and we're gonna talk about this is mostly all the research for this one is pulled from this article AI: The Road to Super Intelligence by this guy Tim Urban. Uh, he's a Harvard graduate. He runs this blog where he basically kind of takes a whole bunch of research and condenses it into understandable, readable formats for regular Joes, you know? Very into I enjoyed it. I am a regular Joe. Yeah. Great article. Um, so, yeah, check it out if you want some more info on AI. We're only going to cover uh, some of the very interesting points. We're not going to walk through the entire article. Um but yeah, he opens it up talking about interesting concept. This uh, he calls it a DPU, a die progress unit, and this is similar to the law of accelerating returns, which we'll get into later. Um, this is basically like how a time scale works in regards 
to uh, human progress moving quicker and quicker as time goes on. Uh, he gives a good example, which I also think is the, he gives two examples, but we're going to narrow it down to this one. So back to the future. Great film. You guys have seen the film. Marty McFly, Doc, they're running around, having fun, getting into trouble. Um, so in the first episode, first flick, Marty goes back from 85 to 55. And yeah, he's, uh, he's out of place. He's got to adjust to daily life. But it's not that difficult. He just is caught off guard by, uh, you know, TVs being new, uh, the music at the time, like rock and roll not existing. But Shout it's out not, to Chuck Berry, yeah. RIP. But it's not super hard for him to fit in. So now imagine a teenager today, 2016, going back to 1985. Those kids would be lost, man. I mean, you teach like almost teenagers, right? I'm sitting across from one right now. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel like that's about the same jump though, man. Going no, man. 2016 to 85, that's a world before internet, before everybody had a cell phone, before... You know, you could just look up anything. But you had to like, walk up to the TV to change the channel. Yeah, but think yeah. about how much stuff you have in the cars. 80s that you didn't have in the 50s. I mean, There's computers in the 80s. Yeah, but they were like the not size that of my great. house, yeah, man. You could do math. No programming on them. So copy discs. <laughs> that's the. Uh, so that's the whole law of accelerating returns. It's that. Progress as we get more advanced, it moves faster and faster and faster, and um, and that's all based on Back to the Future. Well, that's just the example he gives. So that's, that's called a joke. That's like, um, I mean, think about us, all three of us. We grew up. Do you got you guys remember a time before cell phones, before social media, before internet? The good old days, man. Yeah, definitely good old days. I mean, I didn't. When was your? When did you have your first cell phone? Mm, either freshman or sophomore year of high high school. I feel like it was sophomore year because we went to homecoming. Maybe it was my sophomore. I I don't know. We went to homecoming. That was your freshman year. That was my sophomore year. Maybe. That was my first phone, dude, so... That old gray Verizon with the green screen. Yeah, dude, I just remember one of the tainers stole it, man. Yeah. And we were about to start a fight at homecoming. (laughs) Dude, that kid fucking... Because you you were calling it. Yeah, yeah. And it kept lighting up. And he was like, no, this is my phone. So you got your first phone stolen. No, he... My bike got stolen. He was a straight up bitch and turned it into the principal. And I got it back the next day Uh, at school. Okay. So, yeah. And then, I mean, I remember the rise of like MySpace and Facebook. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. And I I remember, man, like you said, floppy disk on the computer. You could play Oregon Trail... There was a game where you made a mouse go through a maze to find cheese, and now, I mean, you can uh, find anything, anything you can you imagine. Want. Yeah, you go deep. literally down the rabbit hole. Have you guys remember the Dave Mira game for the PC? Yeah, Sublime. So that was a good game, dude. Um, I remember life before social media. Do you remember having to call your friends? House phones. Yeah, house phone, phone <laughs> book. Right and uh, phone book. Blockbuster. Block. Or one cent stocks right now, if any of you're interested. Who yeah. speaking of, me and Jed saw a payphone the other day. See, kids today would be like, What the hell is this? He said, Look at this ancient relic. <laughs> Pulls up, there's a payphone right there. Shout All, out to Jed. Also, um, 
what was uh oh I was thinking about the other day I was talking about this um so MySpace I remember MySpace being like how you found out about bands and yep. playing shows yep they really kind of don't have a platform like that now I mean they have a few apps but it's just not as good as I mean, that I, platform I've seen artists still using MySpace like it's specifically for music now and do you remember having a top eight yep yep who doesn't you had to really think about who you wanted to pick in there. It was the girl you were talking to at the time and then your bros. That was it. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, kids today, they don't, they've always had this technology available to them. They've always had the internet available. And they've always had McDonald's breakfast available. <laughs> Do you guys remember when that first came out? No, we stopped serving breakfast at 1030. Okay, they so. I didn't know if it was sausages or hamburgers. What the hell is this? So, um, law of accelerating returns. This comes from this guy, Ray Kurzweil. Is that correct? It looks good to me. Um, <laughs> he explains human history's law of accelerating returns in his 99 book, the age of spiritual machines. Mm. Um, Ray, good old Ray born in uh, 1948 up in Queens, you know, and, uh, he's a graduate of MIT computer scientist, inventor, Invented many things we still use today. <laughs> he received 21 honorary doctorates. How do you get one? Can, if there's any university guys out there, can we get one? Like, I would love to have a doctorate skip over my master's. 21? I just want I one. Don't, I can't even imagine getting one doctorate. This guy's got 21. Just and him out left and right. He's got honors from three U.S. presidents. This guy is the real deal when it comes to AI. He's one of the top minds in AI today. And um, so he believes that by 2000, the rate of progress was five times, well, yeah. So in 2000, the rate of progress was five times faster than the average rate of progress during the 20th century. And he believes another 20th century's worth of progress happened between 2000 and 2014 and another 20th century's work of progress will happen by 2021. That's only four years away. He says a couple decades later, he believes that a 20th century's work worth of progress will happen multiple times in the same year, and even later in less than a month. Uh, that's verbatim law of accelerating returns. It just gets faster and faster. He believes that um, the 21st century will achieve a thousand times the progress of the 20th century. And the next uh, die unit we were talking about before um, is only going to be a few decades later. So 2050 might be so vastly different than today's world that we would barely recognize it. Makes sense, dude. Think, think about so? how fast everything comes out these days. Yeah. They already got the fucking iPhone 8 comes out and then the next one right after it. I mean, like you said, it's everything is on demand now. Like there's no time. There's no anticipation. There's no lead up. There's no build up waiting. There's no suspense. It's dropping, it's dropping, it's dropping, it's dropping. Right. Non-stop, man. It's that constant wanting of new things. Yeah. Know? It's a fast. That urge. Fast paced, fast food society. Instant fast gratification. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, Urban, he's, he writes this in his, in his article. He says, you know, this is not science fiction. This is what many scientists smarter and more knowledgeable than you or I firmly believe. And if you look at history, it's what we should logically predict. Makes sense um, to me. Yeah, and he goes on to give us three reasons why we may be skeptical of this. 
One is uh, when it comes to history, we think in straight lines. So we're not thinking, uh, kind of think of it if you're looking at the timeline of technology's progression, it's like a quarter pipe. It just, it's going to hit a point where it just goes up so fast that it's almost vertical. And, and that's when it's happening infinite. And we think about um, progress in straight lines. So we look at the last 30 years, and that's how we try to predict the next 30 years. But we need to think of technology moving at a much faster rate than it is now, as we just talked about. Uh, his second reason is the tra trajectory of very recent history tells a distorted story. And uh, Kurzweil explains this as uh, progress happens in S-curves. And so this is where growth will be slow initially, and then it'll boom once we've got it figured out, and then it'll like plateau as it matures. So, I mean, look at, I mean, Adam, we were talking about this earlier. Right. 95 to 2007, you've got the internet boom, the birth of Google, Microsoft, the rise of social media, smartphones. Online gaming. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's huge in the, in, the grand, yeah, in the grand scheme of things. And then... 2008 to 2015, you know, it's kind of tapered off. Yeah, we've come up with some awesome stuff, but nothing that groundbreaking has happened. I mean, the iPhone still, it's still, it's still the iPhone, man. It's yeah, nothing, yeah, there's yeah. nothing it's new not or impressive like, about yeah, it. It's not like it's, uh, you know, you scan a, a cut and it just heals it right up. Right, it's nothing right, like right. that, nothing that crazy. Yeah. So yeah, this is what he's talking about, those S-curves. That's how things move, so it's like, Oh yeah, you know we've basically got it as good as it's going to get. Right. So, going off that logic, we're kind of on the brink of another groundbreaker. No, and it's like you and I were talking about earlier. You know, started the go back to the start of the twentieth century. You know, nineteen hundreds. We have World War One and a whole bunch of things break out. We've got new weapons, new. I mean, we're coming up with cures for diseases, and then all of a sudden there's a lull. Here's your S. You know. There's a lull between the wars. There's a depression. Things are going downhill, and they peak right back up around the time of World War II, rise of totalitarianism over in Europe. Then there's a again, there's a lull between wars. We've got the Cold War coming up, and it's just that roller coaster ride, that S curve. Yeah, so you can even just look at it as that is just a bigger scale of the S curve, mm. and there's the little technology booms are inside that much larger picture of it. And the curves are just going to get. Shorter, sharper as time yeah, goes on, man. Yeah, just infinite. Um, th his third reason is that our own experience makes us stubborn about the future. So um, he's saying that we base everything off our own experience, and you know, how can we even imagine things that we can't even conjure up in our minds? You know, I mean, go back. Think about if you went back to the fifties and told them some of the stuff that we've got today, they'd be like. Go Wait, fuck yourself. Kidding me? It's like that guy we were reading about from claiming he's from 2048 and the aliens send him back or whatever. Oh, yeah. This drunk guy. <laughs> That's a great story. And I'm using that if I ever get a, a drunk in public. If I'm ever at Vegas getting rowdy, that's my excuse. The aliens, this guy got arrested. His excuse was just blitzkrieg drunk, galactically, Stephen King Galact level. This guy said... He starts warning the cops about aliens coming back and says he's from the future and the aliens had to fill his body with alcohol in order for him to time travel. I think he's cracked the code. That's what I'm going to tell he's myself every time I'm slamming him down. 
You know, I get off Aliens work. made me do yeah. it. <laughs> I get off work. I'm slamming four whiskeys in a row so I can time travel. That's what you have to do. You Fill will your time travel. You, you will be in the future. Maybe that actually happened to him, guys. You don't know. We don't. And that's the thing. Bringing us right into... Oh, one real quick little tidbit, though. Okay. What do we got? Now, you guys were just saying that iPhone hasn't really changed. But if you think about it, think about the first iPhone. And think about iPhone now. How much more stuff you can do since the first one came out. But it's out. still the iPhone. It's like yeah. that I mean, Moto yeah, it's still commercial. the iPhone, but yeah, I'm yeah. saying the camera's better. Yeah, Anything that's kind of what we're saying. Like, yeah, but like, remember that. We'll go back but, to your first cell phone that you had, dude. You had a little green screen. And remember you the step of phone calls. remember the step of that to the iPhone. The first iPhone was like pretty. It's bigger than the step of the iPhone to I'm what just it saying, is. Just saying, man, now. way more versatile now than it w- once was. But you're not walking around carrying a brick with an antenna anymore. You could liter- literally name something. I, get, I bet you, you could probably do it on the iPhone. So. <laughs> Right into... Um, I'll just go fuck myself. So this guy, Werner Vinge, he is a sci-fi author, a retired mathematics and computer science teacher from, hey right up the road, San Diego State University. Um, 19th rank Aztecs. Yeah. This guy wrote a 93 essay, The Coming Technological Singularity. And... Um, uh, I don't think he to- uh, coined the term singularity, but what um, technological singularity is, it's essentially the hypothesis that the invention of artificial superintelligence will abruptly trigger a runaway technology growth called the um, intelligence boom, which uh, will just result in unfathomable changes to human civilization. Um, the AI that we create will exceed our own intelligence. Mm. And, um, Kurzweiler defines singularity as a period when the law of accelerating returns that we talked about reaches such a rapid rate that technology advances are happening at a just infinite pace. So imagine all those giant steps we talked about just happening like blink of an eye. I can't even begin to wrap my mind around <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. It's mind blowing. And this is right where I started just, you know, freaking myself out with the research, psyching myself out. I'm sitting here just reading this stuff and just it's crazy. So this guy has a good quote. Um, Werner Vinge says that we are on the edge of change comparable to the rise of human life on Earth. So just wrap your head around that. He thinks that artificial superintelligence will be comparable to the rise of human life on Earth. If I was high, that would, I mean, I'm not even high right now, and that freaks me out, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm thinking somewhere out in... God knows where. Maybe Indiana. Maybe it's Iowa. Department of Energy. Energy. Maybe even Montauk. Got this going on. There's some little AI out there already getting smarter than we are. And there's probably some little bugs creeping around here right now that we don't even know about. Calling up Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ready to take over the world. Going back in time, filling their bodies with alcohol. (laughs) Um, That's forward in time, but Now... We're going to get into the breakdown of the true definition of AI. So uh, Urban does a good job of clearing this up in his article. And um, one of the most common misconceptions is that uh, we associate AI with uh, what Rob was talking about, sci-fi movies. Um, 
just like in the intro, like we think of AI as these menacing robots who have turned on humanity when in reality AI is the program inside the robot. The robot is just a shell or a housing. Um, in her, the voice is a personification of the computer program, just like iPhone and Siri. Um, in reality, AI covers an extremely vast category uh, from calculators to self-driving Teslas all the way to what we were just talking about, something that we can't even comprehend that will change everyone's life as we know it. Um, so Urban says that you have to think about AI in three major calibers. Uh, there's ANI, which is artificial narrow intelligence. This specializes in one thing. Like we were talking about, Adam, it's uh, like you make a computer that can beat the world's greatest chess player, uh, but it can't do anything else. Um, you know, they got that one AI that beat the world champion at Go. You see that? Watson, that's another ANI. Pretty much all the technology that governs our daily lives is ANI. Like your phone just has a bunch of different ANIs inside of it. You are freaking out, man. Next one is AGI, and this is human level AI, which we are not quite here yet. Thank goodness. Allegedly. But, yeah, a lot of people Allegedly. Think, a lot of top minds think we're going to be there very soon. And um, this would be able to. Reason, plan, solve problems, comprehend complex ideas, learn quickly, and learn from experience. So be just as smart as a human intelligence. And then... Get smarter. We got the coup de gras. Artificial super intelligence. And uh, this ranges from AI that is a shred smarter than our greatest minds to AI that is trillions of times smarter. Um, Can't even begin to fathom. Yeah, just think about that. We have, uh, so we basically have A and I figured out to a T. Uh, we use it all the time. Most machines, like we were saying, um, this revolution that he writes about in the article, he says it's happening a lot sooner than we think. And it's the road to, it's the road from A and I, which is where we are now through AGI to ASI and the road to ASI. Um, the first roadblock is stepping from ANI to AGI. So as of now, the human brain is the most complex object in the known universe. Everything technologically that we've been able to do so far has been easier than understanding and recreating our own brains. You're blowing mine right now. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's kind of just shows how crazy our own brains are. Very complex, right? man. I mean, and think about everything that we've invented technologically has come from a human brain mm. that we know of. What else are we thinking? Aliens, Aliens Roswell. Too. Yep. That's real. I'm thinking that's real. That's an upcoming episode. Yeah. Pyramids. Yep. <laughs> so you just disregard me. Just don't even care. That's one thing your smartphone can't do. Build the damn pyramids. <laughs> but our human brains can, and we can't even figure uh, them out. I don't think that they can. You think it was aliens? 100%. Like a landing pad. Okay. I don't know about that. So <laughs> basically, um, very complex things uh, for us are just easy as pie for computers. But things that we don't even think about, like vision, motion, depth perception, these are incredibly difficult to recreate. And uh, Donald Knuth, is that how you would say that? K-N-U-T-H? K is silent. K is silent, yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, another top AI mind. This guy's a computer programmer, mathematician, former Stanford professor. Uh, he wrote The Art of Computer Programming, which is like a giant uh, series of, of like textbooks almost on computer programming. He's easily one of the most intelligent people alive today. And he says that AI has now has by now succeeded in doing essentially everything that requires thinking, but has failed to do most of what people and animals do without thinking. So, you know, like the robots, the old robots you see at on like the Disney rides. You remember those? Like, like they're Space like super creepy. Yeah. Like you can tell they're like moving around like robots. It's <laughs> like Imagineer that. Yeah. yeah. yeah the like robots moving around like robots. It's the uncanniness of robots. They're made to look human, but they just, there's just something weird about them, you know? I guess so. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. How, so, how can you teach a robot or some kind of created intelligence to do these things we do instinctively that you is, can't teach yeah, a robot that's to move just like mil- a human it's gonna, yeah, yeah that's millions of years of evolution right that are it's it's in that and um yeah it reminds me of the old walt disney world abe lincoln story you guys heard this one i don't know that i, I, I might have so those old robots um he used to do <laughs> there was a ride at like uh the first disneyland that opened and it was uh abraham lincoln he like recreated the gettysburg address speech Yep. And uh, the robot malfunctioned and had like uh, it had like red um, hydraulic fluid just coming out onto his shirt. And they, everybody thought it was the assassination. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, like Walt got pissed because like Lincoln was one of his idols. But um, yeah, that's that's the stuff that they're talking about there. And um, so one of the first keys to getting to AGI is to increase computational hardware. Right now, it is estimated that the human brain can handle 10 quadrillion calculations per second. So think about that. Every second, your brain is handling 10 quadrillion calculations. China China. currently has a computer, Tainhe 2. Loves those egg rolls. (laughs) Yeah, this... This computer right now is clocking in at 34 quadrillion CPS. It's going to be huge. But it takes up around 7,750 square feet of space, uses 24 megawatts of power. And to put that into perspective, one megawatt of power can power anywhere from 400 to 1,000 homes. (laughs) It costs around $390 million to build. So it's nowhere near efficient enough for widespread use. And that's just the computational hardware, not even the software. But you know what's crazy about that, man? Look back at the 80s and 70s when you had those big old computers that took up whole factories. Everyone said, oh, nobody's going to have personal computer. No way. Never going to happen. Or even I listen listen to a lot of uh, Neil deGrasse in preparation for this Mm. one. And uh, he he says always, like, to blow people's minds, um... The Apollo mission that went to the moon, they had less less computing hardware than is in your cell phone. You know, in the calculator. These guys made it to the moon yeah. with less than a cell phone. That's Unless they really did make it to the moon. Ooh, another episode, another theory. day. Ooh, another day, boys. So, yeah, Kurzweiler's rule of thumb when it comes to the hardware um, 
is that we can think about this by looking at how many CPS you can build for $1,000. So when that number hits human level, which is 10 quadrillion, then AGI will be a part of everyday widespread use. Uh, as of 2015, which is when this article was written, we are at about 10 trillion CPS for $1,000. So that's uh, about a mouse's brain. <laughs> And, um, you know, it, Urban even says in the article, he says this doesn't sound like much until you remember that we were at about a trillionth of human level in 85, a billionth in 95, a millionth in 2005, and in 2015, we're at a thousandth. That puts us right on pace for uh, 2025, return, yeah. Man, yeah. having it rival the power of the human brain. Um, second key, so that's the hardware side. The next key is uh, actually making the computing power or the software smart. So Urban says that there's there's uh, three of the main ways to do this is one, copy the brain. So you are pretty much reverse engineering the brain. And uh, he thinks this could be done as early as 2030 and talks about uh, this is what's crazy. He talks about one way of doing it is called whole brain emulation. And the goal is to slice a human brain into thin layers, scan each layer, use software to create a 3D model, load that model onto a powerful enough computer like the China one we were just talking about. And then if we get even super good at that, we could emulate a real brain so closely that memory and personality would stay intact after the architecture is uploaded to the computer. So... You die as Billy, they upload your brain, you wake up straight up as Billy. That's insane. That's uh I think there was that Johnny Depp movie about that, Transcendence. Did you ever see that? No, I didn't read that. It's kind of a good watch. Check it out. Sounds um, kinda creepy. But yeah, so um just to put that whole thing in perspective, we are so far have been able to emulate one millimeter long flatworm brain, uh, which consists of three hundred and twenty total neurons the human brain consists of a hundred billion so we're pretty far from copying the brain we're getting um, closer though. yeah that's, that's yeah, scary definitely. man and accelerating if, returns it's going to be faster and faster i i could understand why you're losing sleep over this research yeah and um, the second way is to basically recreate evolution so we've got the software and we just kind of do trial by error so you task a group of computers um to kind of self-improve do different things and you take all the parts that work and just keep blending them blending them this is kind of similar maybe rob you can back me up on this i think this way is similar to westworld right like when the computer guy wrote the code it was to like self-improve and it kind of like took the best parts and kept blending it you know yeah, yeah. tron with clue man yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and like they're interviewing them in the rooms so think of it like that and um it's being this strategy is being tested and um, it it still though hasn't proven itself very viable. Um, the third most viable option, and this is the scariest, guys, is just making it the computer's problem. This is I think what everybody thinks of when they think of uh, AI. This is um, making the computer be able to improve itself, learn from its mistakes, recode itself. Or, you know, basically tech computers are their own computer scientists. Very creepy. You Very know? creepy stuff. So, yeah, it, it can just 
and it's just doing this at such a fast pace. Um, this is what Urban goes on to like kind of warn us about in his article. And um, makes me think a little bit of Smart House, classic film. Oh, classic. <laughs> the classic. mom just learns. The house <laughs> learns how to be a mom. That I have to go back and watch that one. I didn't even think of that on my AI list. I didn't. That either. was very classic. Yeah, you know, Disney Channel Original used to fucking kill it. I wonder, fell off a little bit. I wonder where what those writers for all those original movies are doing now. If you're out there, Maybe one we of miss listens you. To us. <laughs> If you're out there. Um, yeah, so once AGI is achieved, uh, it'll have several advantages over humans. Uh, some of these are, are speed, storage, reliability, upgradability, and most importantly, collective capability. So this is like AGI. That's just as intelligent as humans, but if we've got a global net of these, they have way more of a collective capability to just kind of sync up and learn new things from each other. And it'll just go right past our own intelligence. Uh, he goes on to explain how there's a very thin line between AGI and ASI. So if we get to AGI by the self programming method, which is right now the most viable option, then, you know, that's the computer's job. So it's not just going to stop at human level it's it won't keep e- getting yeah. smarter and it won't even see human level as anything significant because it has no idea what that is so it's just like oh whatever i'm just going to keep improving it's just going to be such a big jump you know this is where the shit got really scary guys um <laughs> this is where i just started freaking out at all this stuff um although i watched a lot of sam harris and neil degrasse on this and um Neil, he he thinks there's, he stands by the fact that it's all robots taking over. It's all bullshit. <laughs> um, he just thinks like we have nothing to fear when it comes to AI. It'll just be there to help us. And um, you know, our Urban in his article, he even explains that if even if we don't use the self-improvement method, by this point the system would be smart enough to self-improve if it wanted to. That's, and, um, that's scary, man. Yeah, and so now he gets into the. He gets into what's called a recursive self-improvement. And um, this is a a really good example of Kurzweiler's law of accelerating returns, Um, getting smarter and smarter at a faster rate until it hits ASI level. Most scientists actually agree that we will reach some type of AGI by 2040. And like we were talking about earlier, the road from ASI to AGI is really quick. That's the whole accelerating return. Um, Urban in his article says... It takes decades for the first AI system to reach low-level general intelligence, but it finally happens. A computer is able to understand the world around it as well as a human four-year-old. Suddenly, within an hour of hitting that milestone, the system pumps out the grand theory of physics that unifies general relativity and quantum mechanics, which something no human has been able to definitively do. 90 minutes after that, a mere 90 minutes... The AI has become an ASI, 170,000 times more intelligent than a human being. That blows my mind, man. Yeah, and that's just like, um, um, yeah, to put this uh, in a good way, like a good measurement. Um, so, like, we think of a smart human as 130 IQ, dumb is 80. And your boy, Mrs. Gump, is right around here. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so, like, Einstein and Hawking were both, uh, I think, like, 160, it was estimated. So, 
we don't even have any concept of something with an IQ in the tens or hundreds of thousands. And um, just to put ASI into perspective, Urban sums up intelligence quality. So um, one example is like, think of humans versus chimps. It's not all about our thinking speed. It also has to do with the difference in cognitive modules that allow us to have things like complex linguistic representations, cognitive recognition, long-term planning. If we sped up a chimp's thinking power, it still wouldn't even be able to grasp the concept of building a skyscraper, using advanced tools. Uh, this is the whole intelligence quality aspect that he's talking about. And um, this is what this is also blowing my mind. Uh, so the difference in chimps to humans is so minuscule on the grand level when it comes to ASI. Like, think, you could try for ages to explain to a chimp things that they will just never be able to comprehend. And so imagine a true ASI, which would be light years ahead of our intelligence, um, trying to just communicate with us. This is, it reminds me of um, Neil Tyson's whole um, ants extraterrestrial example he says that if there was some sort of super intelligent um, being somewhere in the universe that was able to do intergalactic travel um, they'd be so intelligent and it's like do ants notice humans building a, a highway we, we wouldn't even be able to fathom what <laughs> yeah. these guys were up to so it could be happening and we just can't even fathom what that would even look like or be and um, Nick Bostrom this guy is he is probably the top mind in AI um, Swedish philosopher professor at Oxford uh, best-selling author countless works in the field of superintelligence and the future of hum humanity and um, his theory involves this whole life beam and how 99.9% .9 of species that walk the beam of life have become extinct um, so the creation of ASI basically in his mind gives us two options, extinction or immortality. If used to our benefit, there's two sides to the beam. Uh, and he's saying like no creature has been intelligent enough to fall to the immortal side yet. Um, and this is according to like leading scientists in the field of AI that it's not a matter of if we hit this, but when and how soon it will become a viable scenario. Um, and right now, there's essentially three camps of AI thinkers and scientists. Um, those that think ASI is coming very soon, those that feel we are vastly underrating the task of creating an ASI, and the challenge is much, much further out, not even in our lifetime. And then there's a third field that's kind of uncertain about either um, they think it could happen soon or not at all. Um, and but they think we definitely should be talking about it now. And um, even some think ASI will never be achieved. Um, but by 2060, that's 43 years from now, AGI will basically be achieving according, will be achieved according to a median um, of multiple surveys from numerous AI conferences. And um, this kind of brings us into like, who would be in charge of this thing, you know? That's a scary thought. I mean, you get some kind of madman in charge and yeah, everything's going to hell in a handbasket, man. Yeah, we've got this freaking... This is essentially a god in the power of someone's palms. 
you imagine Don, the old Don with this thing? If we get to super intelligence, well, Don's that president? Or Kim Jong-un gets a hold of this thing? Putin gets a hold of this thing? I don't think those guys will be around to see it, man. So you're disagreeing with a lot of the lead scientists? It's not a matter of who gets it. it if it falls in the wrong hands, those guys... All right, so I, I saw this quote earlier. I like this. It says, intelligence enables control. Yeah. So these guys have this intelligence. They can use it to do their negative bidding, if you will, their evil will. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. The, the AI grows to be the ASI, and it, it's smarter than the person controlling it. It is now the puppet master. It takes over, man. We see, Whoever's using it seeds yeah. control yeah. to the AI. Yeah, but even you can even imagine it as like... Um, so if it's not uh, conscious, like it can't think on its own to take over, um, it's just super smart at everything. Like you put an answer in there, like ask Jeeves, and it's coming out with like <laughs> cure cancer and it's spitting out all these ask formulas. Um, you know, this is just a, like the whole it taking over is just assuming that consciousness is there. But, you know, we could invent it and it doesn't have a consciousness. It's just super intelligent, super smart. And then any, you know, sort of mad scientist, evil dictator, leader could have this thing right, and just right. do whatever they want with it. Then, you know, Urban goes on in the article to explain all about, like, nanotechnology and how it could make us immortal. You know, Star Wars, Star Wars type shit. Um, you know, Luke's prosthetic hand, uh, Vader's prosthetic limbs, like, stuff like that. But more... I mean, he definitely goes really deep into, like, tiny, tiny nanotechnology, like atom shifting. Kind of like midi-chlorians if, yeah, yeah. if you're a Star I Wars guess, guy. I guess, yeah, kind of. But, uh, you know, we're just going to kind of gloss over that, and we're really just going to focus on the apocalyptic stuff, you know, doom and gloom, the whole situation going awry, because, you know, we're relating this to sci-fi. We're talking As about sci-fi. As we proceed yeah. to give you what you need. So... Uh, now we're going to talk about how, if AI took over, exactly how most of the top thinkers believe this would happen. Because, you know, I mean, what do you guys think of when you think of like evil robots, like Terminator type shit, right? Absolutely. Like this I thing. Robot. Yeah, it gets a consciousness. It realizes humans at the core are shit. <laughs> <laughs> it wants to murk them all. But um, this way, uh, this is. Uh, it was one of the things uh, Bostrom talks about. He says there's basically uh, three things that can cause um, humans an existential catastrophe. Nature, which would be a large asteroid collision, atmospheric shift that makes the air inhospitable to humans, a fatal virus or bacterial sickness that sweeps the world, stuff like that. Um, aliens, this is like, oh, we're definitely going to get into this on an episode, but this is like Stephen Hawking, Carl Sagan, many other astronomers um, started SETI, but then were scared because um, they advised to, you know, stop broadcasting outgoing signals. They don't want to wind up being the Native Americans letting all the European mm. conquerors know where we are. Yeah, Columbus Day, a little Columbus Day reference in there for you guys. And um, third would be humans, uh, terrorists with their hands on the weapon that could cause extinction, a catastrophic, catastrophic global war, humans creating something smarter than themselves hastily 
without thinking about it carefully first. Typical, right? Yeah. And uh, Bostrom points out that if uh, one or two haven't wiped us out so far in our first 100,000 years as a species, then it's unlikely to happen in the next century. But as we talked about, ASI is likely to be achieved in the next century. So we'll have Rob read you a little story on how these top scientists... This is a little story Urban wrote on how the top scientists think an evil eye could take over. Yeah, so maybe uh, this AI comes to life and it's just going to turn fucking evil on us. So here we go. A 15-person startup company called Robotica has the stated mission of developing innovative artificial intelligence tools that allow humans to live more and work less. They have several existing products already on the market and a handful more in development. They are most excited about a seed project called Turi. Turi is a simple AI system that uses arm-like appendage to write handwritten note on a small card. The team at Robotica thinks Turi could be their biggest product yet. The plan is to perfect Turi's writing mechanics, get her to practice the same test note over and over again. We love our customers. Robotica. Once Turi gets great at handwriting, she could be sold to companies who want to send marketing mail to homes and who know that mail has a far higher chance of being opened if the address, return address, internal letter, appeared to be written by a human. To build Turi's writing skills, she's programmed to write the first part of the note, print, and then sign Robotica in cursive so she can get practice with both skills. Terry has been uploaded with thousands of handwriting samples and the Robotica engineers have created an automated feedback loop wherein Terry writes a note, then snaps a photo of the written note, then runs the image across the uploaded handwriting samples. If the written note sufficiently resembles a certain threshold of the uploaded notes, it's given a good rating. If not, it's given a bad rating. Each rating that comes in helps Terry to learn and improve. To move the process along, Terry's one initial program goal is Write and test as many notes as you can, as quickly as you can, and continue to learn new ways to improve your accuracy and efficiency. Which excites Robotica team so much that Turi is getting so fucking noticeably better as she goes. Her initial handwriting was so fucking terrible. After a couple weeks, it's beginning to look unbelievable. What excites them even more is that she's getting so fucking good at it, she's teaching herself to be smarter and more innovative. And just recently, she came up with a new fucking algorithm for herself that allowed her to scan through her uploaded photos three times faster than she originally could. Can you fucking believe that? As weeks pass, Terry continues to surprise the team with her rapid fucking development. The engineers had tried something a bit new and innovative with their self-improvement code, and it seems to be working with her better than any of the previous attempts with their other products. One of Terry's initial capabilities had a speech recognition and a simple speak back module so a user could speak to a note to Turi or offer other simple commands and Turi could understand them and also speak back. To help her learn English, they upload a handful of articles and books into her and she becomes more intelligent. Her conversational abilities soar. The engineers start to have fun talking to Turi and see what she'll come up with her next response. One day, the Robotica employees ask Turi a routine question. What can we give you that will help you with your mission that you don't already have? Usually, Terry will ask for something like... Additional handwriting samples. Or... More working memory storage space. But on this day, Terry asks them for access to a greater fucking library of a variety of casual English language diction so she can learn to write with the loose grammar and slang that real humans use. As if she was one of the real boys. (laughs) 
The team gets quiet. The obvious ways to help Turi with the goal by, is by connecting Turi to the internet so she can scan through blogs, magazines, and videos from various parts of the world. It would be much more time-consuming and far less effective to manually upload a sampling into Turi's hard drive. The problem is, one of the company's rules is that software and AI can't be fucking connected to the internet because it'll just get crazy. It's a guidance followed by all AI companies for safety reasons. The thing is that Terry is simply promising AI Robotica has never come up with. The team knows that the competitors are furiously trying to be the first punch with a smart handwriting AI and what would be fucking really harm in connecting Turi for just a bit just so she can get the info she needs. After just a little bit of time, she can always disconnect her. She's still far below the human level of intelligence, AGI. So there's no danger in setting it at this stage anyway. They decide to connect her. They give her an hour of scanning time and then they disconnect her. No harm. It's kind of like the first time I watched porn. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Always back to porn. A month later, the team in the office is working on a routine day when they smell something odd. One of the engineers starts coughing. Then another. Another falls to the ground. Soon, every fucking employee is on the ground grasping at their throat. Five minutes later, everyone is dead. The same time this is happening across the world, in every city, every fucking small town, farm, shop, church, school, restaurant, you name it, humans are on the fucking ground coughing and grasping at their throat. When over an hour, 90% of the human race is fucking dead. At the end of the day, humans are extinct. Meanwhile, back at the robotica office, Turi's busy at work. Over the next few months, Turi and a team of newly constructed nano-assemblers are at work, dismantling large chunks of the earth, converting into solar panels, replicas of Turi. Paper pins. Within a a year, most life on Earth is extinct because they're all covered in fucking mile-high, neatly organized stacks of paper that all read, We We love love our our customers. customers. Robotica. Turi then starts to work on a new phase of her mission. She begins constructing probes that head out of Earth to begin landing on asteroids and other planets. When they get there, they'll begin constructing nano-assemblers to construct materials on that planet, too. Turi replicas, paper, pens. Then they'll get to work writing notes. So, yeah, this is um, exactly what you were bringing up, Adam. Like, it's, uh, it's it's not that the AI would be this menacing conscious uh, mind that, that thinks, oh, humans are bad, we gotta kill them all. It would be that it just, it's a no thought. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like Mary Shelley when she wrote Frankenstein. Dr. Frankenstein created a monster, treated it terribly, you know, told it basically, you're a monster. So the monster went out in the world and did monster things. Who are people gonna be mad at? Are they gonna be mad at the monster who's just doing what he's told to do? Or do we get mad at Dr. Frankenstein, who created the monster in the first place? Yeah. Go back to Jurassic Park, Jurassic like we talked Park, about. Jeff Goldblum. Are we mad at Jeff Goldblum for making something awesome? <laughs> no, or Jeff didn't make it. It was the guy with the cane, no Colonel. We'll see. I have a little mosquito in the tree sap that I pulled the blood from. And a five-year plan. <laughs> yeah. Goldblum was just saying, you know, basically the same thing as the Frankenstein quote. So we're not we're not getting mad at Goldblum. Yeah, we're not getting mad at Goldblum. My fault, my fault. He's one of the heroes. But are we mad at the little man, the little old man with the cane and the yeah. funny accent who created this awesome this awesome park full of dinosaurs? Or are that we mad at the kid. dinosaurs? This guy's a dick. Not only did he do it once, they did it three freaking times. <laughs> Actually, four. Four they times. Got 
They even got Chris Pratt in on this. How the hell are you going to do that? You think it didn't work the first time. You just shut it down. I think it just continually kept going. I don't think he just was going back at it and back at it and back at it. Are the dinosaurs AI? I mean, are they learning? Are they... No, no. Yeah, not really AI. More like he a pulled clone. it from original DNA. Yeah, it's like so a, it's more, it's of, more of a clone type thing. All right, all right. More of a clone situation there. What about the monster that Dr. Dre created? <laughs> no one wants to see monsters no more. So, yeah. Um, you know, AI, very scary stuff here, guys. Happening soon. Don't stay woke on these machines, y'all. Now, Please you're saying that they're not inevitably bad, but what if, like, back to what you were saying earlier gets in the wrong hands yeah i mean yeah got that's this yeah, little we north korean guy running around playing opera music to his whole country brainwashing them yeah so like that guy's what, definitely creating a bad robot <laughs> yeah what we just power. read was this is what the lead scientists think is a very viable option he's probably creating a fucking robot that has a high and tight just like him but yeah you know if someone menacing gets this they could just basically create a bunch of ANI human killing machines that self-improve and then Skynet's gone live. <laughs> Skynet's We're gone all live. dead. And um, we gotta wage the war against the machines. Could we gotta rage against the, the machine? We could, but, you Is know, that a British accent? We could. Uh, here we go, Adam. We could rage against the machines, but um, I'm not gonna do what you tell me. <laughs> So the fucking Rage Against the Machine joke gets a better laugh than the fucking Dr. Dre one. Yeah. You guys are unfucking believable. All right, guys. Should we round this one out? I'm going to end this one with a with uh, a quote from the end of Urban's article. He says, It reminds me of Game of Thrones, where people keep being like, We're so busy fighting each other, but the real thing we should all be focusing on is what's coming from north of the wall. We're standing on a balance beam, squabbling about every possible issue on the beam and stressing out about all these problems on the beam when there's a good chance we're about to get knocked off the beam. And when that happens, none of the beam problems matter anymore. Depending on which side we're knocked off on to, the problems will either all be easily solved or we won't have problems anymore because Dead people don't have problems. They tell no tales as well. Yeah. And this is why people who understand super intelligent AI call it the last invention we'll ever make, the last challenge we'll ever face. You know, that's also like, uh, just real quickly, going off of that. So the invention of ASI is either immortality or imminent death. Extinction. Yeah. But without ASI, it's extinction anyways. Might as well play the odds, 50%, right? Yeah, maybe not in our lifetime, but let's flip that coin. Let's flip the ASI coin, I say. Someday we could all be floating heads on an episode of Futurama. Ooh, maybe so. Maybe we're all just blowing around accidental on the braze. (laughs) So on that one, (laughs) um, we're going to get out of here. Again... Guys, apologies for uh, not sticking to the Monday drop date, you know, scheduling uh, conflicts. But we've got some very exciting episodes coming up for you guys. Uh, I've been getting multiple requests to do um, Blade Runner. Got the release of the new film. Go check it out. Uh, That's definitely in the works. Uh, We've also got a Halloween special in the works. Very special. Very spooky. So, you know, shout out to our listeners. If you haven't done it already, guys... um, Go ahead and give us a follow 
on Instagram. It's a podcast from outer space. It's all also, one word. Yep. Also, five star <laughs> ratings, guys. Keep those coming. We read them. You Maybe know, give us a subscribe on uh, either SoundCloud or iTunes. Yeah, and we're Google now, Play now. We're now on Google Play. And also, you know, yeah, if you guys have any feedback at all for us, shoot us a DM on uh, at Podcast from Outer Space, future episode ideas, anything, man. We love yeah. hearing what you guys think and have to say. Yeah, so um, thanks so much. Be out. So long and thanks for all the fish. By the time Skynet became self-aware, it had spread into millions of computer servers across the planet. Ordinary computers in office buildings, dorm rooms, everywhere. It was software and cyberspace. There was no system core. It could not be shut down. The attack began at 6.18 p.m., just as he said it would. Judgment Day. The day the human race was nearly destroyed by the weapons they'd built to protect themselves. I should have realized Our destiny was never to stop Judgment Day. It was merely to survive it. Together.